Good morning. It's good to be together today, as has been said. It's a beautiful Lord's Day, and we're glad each of you made a decision to be here today and worship with us. We appreciate Brother Jeffrey's prayer on my behalf, and certainly my desire is to teach from God's Word this morning and that the lesson be edifying to you and beneficial and build you up in some way. We've studied all month long um, on our leadership series. My topic was an open topic kind of um, book ended here on the end of the month. I, I wanted to do something that was still relevant and, and related to the conversations that we've been having all month. And so I've chosen to talk about more important than me. Philippians chapter two has been on my mind quite a bit lately. It's a very interesting chapter to me. Um, the events that are talked about there, uh, the description of Jesus, um, what he did in giving his life on the cross and how that relates to you and I and humility that we should have in some of those things. And um, particularly in verse number three, which is what I want to study this morning. And so I hope you'll uh, enjoy the study this morning. Um, if you are going to follow along in your own Bible or on your device, we're going to read quite a bit in Philippians chapter 2, so you might keep a finger there. Uh, we'll be flipping back and forth to, there, um, to that chapter as we talk about some of these things this morning. In verse number 3 of Philippians chapter 2, he says, Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. You know, the, the scriptures say many challenging things to us. There's, you come across verses from time to time that um, that just strike you as a very challenging saying. And for me, this is one of those things, uh, particularly the part where he says, regard one another as more important than yourselves. And I think um, particularly as we talk about leadership this month and the things that uh, we've studied all month long and what it means, the, the qualities that, that the men that we choose for leadership would have and exhibit in their lives, um, I think this fits really well with that. And I want to talk about this phrase, regarding one another as more important than yourselves for a while this morning. You know, especially when you uh, give thought to evangelism or talking to others about the gospel, things like that. I think one of the toughest things that we find as we come in contact with other people with respect to them will, being willing to accept Christianity or accept the ideas taught in Christianity, one of the toughest things that we find is, is related to pride. Being able to put yourself lower than other people is a very difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing to do in our society. It's a difficult thing to do because of human nature. It's something that's not natural for people to do. And I think as we try to convince people about Christianity, letting go of the pride that comes with being a human is something, obviously, that you have to let go of. And I think I've read this verse many times in my life, and I think it's not hard to understand what this verse means. It's not a difficult concept to, to grasp, but putting it into practice, I think, is a little bit more. And I sort of started asking myself, you know, how, how much of my life, how many times in my life do I exhibit behaviors in, in, in my dealings with other people and how I interact with other people that reflect this verse? And I think it's a very challenging question for us. How, how often do we actually look at other people and value them more important than we value ourselves? And that's something that I wanted to study this morning. I think he talks a lot about that here in uh, Philippians chapter 2. And I think he actually gives um, sort of all the indicators or all the ways that we can behave that allow us to do this, even when, it, even when it's not natural. 
I think about a lot of books that you see in society, many self-help books or even just general business books. Um, they teach a lot of concepts related to valuing others, other people uh, and how you interact with other people. When Brother Mark Parkhurst was here, we got in a discussion one evening about various business books and what books were kind of interesting reads and things like that. And there's a book that you may have heard of by Dale Carnegie called How to Win Friends and Influence People. And if you read through that book, all of the concepts in that book are fantastic. They're, they're essentially all biblical in nature. They're all uh, rooted in biblical principles and how we ought to interact with people and behave and treat other people. But the one common thread in all of these books that you find is that they're all self-serving. And that book itself is self-serving, even by its title, How to Win Friends and Influence People. All the things that he teaches you to do and talks about doing in that book are ultimately so that you will benefit from them. And that's not what we're talking about this morning regarding other people more important. It's not a lesson in how you can interact with other people and behave with other people so that you can advance your own position in life. That's not what we're talking about this morning, and that's not what his desire is for us. What we're talking about is obedience to a commandment of God that will produce a faith in us and a behavior in us that will allow us to behave in a way that God wants us to, to carry out his will, not to satisfy our own desires or gain influence or to have this big tally of friends in our life. It allows us to be the kind of people that he wants us to be. I read a um, story, a, a woman had written kind of a blog post type of an article talking about Philippians 2 and verse number three, and she told a story about her kid. She was making pancakes for them one morning for breakfast, and as she started cooking the pancakes, the, the two children who were five and three, five and three-year-old boys started kind of bickering and arguing over who gets the first pancake off the frying pan. She said, well, okay, I'm gonna use this as a lesson to you know, teach them some spiritual concepts. So she said, you know, guys, what Jesus would do in this conversation is Jesus would say, you know what? I'm gonna let my brother have the first pancake. I don't, you know, I'm gonna be patient and um, defer to him. And, and the right thing to do would be say, okay, my brother, you can, you can have the first pancake that come, comes off the frying pan. And the older of the two boys looked at the younger one and the older one's name was Kevin. And the younger one's name was Ryan. And the older one said, Ryan, I got an idea. You be Jesus. And you know, I thought it was kind of funny. It's obviously a simple interaction between kids, but, you know, the honesty of kids and, and how much we behave like that in our society. We want to look at other people and we want to measure their lives against Jesus before we measure our own lives. We want them to become Christ-like in their behaviors and their actions before we want to look at our own lives and, and, and put it up against the measuring stick of, of what Jesus' example was for us. There was a man named Bill Crowder that was writing on this topic as well, and he had a quote that I thought was pretty interesting. It says, it's all too easy, whether in business, family, or church, to view others from the perspective of how they can benefit us. We value them for what we can get from them rather than focusing on how we can serve them in Jesus' name. Isn't that so true? When we think about our interactions with other people, we, we want to know, you know, what that involvement can do to benefit me. How can be, me being friends with someone or having some sort of networking or association with someone in business or life or even in the church, how, what can, how can that ultimately benefit me? Does that satisfy some entertainment need? Does it, do, you know, does it satisfy my interest in the things that I like to do? You know, maybe they like to do the same thing. 
and we don't focus on what he's talking about here and thinking about what we can do for them. It brought to my mind a, the verse that we read often in Matthew chapter 22 when he says, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said unto them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. You know, it's fascinating to me some of the questions that the disciples asked Jesus. It seems, some of them seem so silly to us as we read it through the lens of time. And we're going to read a couple more of those examples this morning too. But, you know, it's, it, they, they always had this sort of worldly mindset of wanting to rank things and rank people and rank the commandments. And, you know, they asked him, what's the, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And as we think about this morning, valuing other people more important than ourselves, this verse came to my mind. And to me, the lesson here is that nowhere in what he considered the greatest commandments was there anything about me. Nowhere was there anything about self or what I want or I need or what I desire. It was about others. It was about God and it was about other people. And I think it's a critically important lesson for us when we think about it. He said, all the law and the prophets hangs on that. Everything hangs on those two things. I put, I put this verse, Philippians 2 and 3, um, with several different translations up here. It's kind of interesting to me, but I think there's an important distinction that I wanted to call out in doing this. You know, when you think about some of the more traditional translations, like King, the, the original King James versions, he says, let, let each esteem others better than, better than themselves. And I wanted to call that out specifically, number one, because it's a fairly common verse that we kind of memorize that wording. But to me, there's an important point in this in that I don't actually love that wording in the old King James. Usually I kind of lean opposite where I lean, where I do like the more traditional wording better. In this case, I don't like it as much as um, like the New American Standard or the ESV where he says, you, you know, regard somebody more important than yourselves. And the reason for that is because that word better to me kind of has a connotation that it becomes, a, you know, that it becomes a judgment call, that, that, that there's a certain amount of judgment or evaluation in, in what he's asking us to do here. The command is not for us to develop some sort of scorecard or talent evaluation of other people. That's not what he's talking about here. And I think sometimes we think that. You know, I think about things like the talents that we have in the church and the, the abilities that people have. You know, there's people here that, that as they view others in, in light of themselves, for example, song leading or preaching, there's people here today that I can call by name right now that can look at me in regards to song leading or teaching or any number of other things, and, and it would be incorrect for them to say, I'm better at them in those things. It's just, it's just a fact. There's certain facts that are just, I can't be better than that. And so what we're talking about this morning is not a scorecard or some kind of list of things that you're actually, somebody's actually better than you at. It's a mindset. It's an attitude. It's an attitude of how we view ourselves versus how we view others. And that's what he's talking about. And that's why I think the wording here is, is fairly important. How can we actually do this? How can we look at everyone we meet or everyone we come in contact with and legitimately and honestly 
say, I value you as more important than I value myself. It's a very challenging thing to ask. It's a very challenging thing to actually do, especially in a, in a world that, you know, that, that says, look at yourself first. Take care of your own needs. Think, you know, take care of yourself and what you want to do before you think about taking care of others. I think if we'll focus on this and develop this attitude that he's asking us to have here, though, it will, it will allow us to have a heart that, that of course, o- obeys a commandment of God, is obedient to something he's asked us to do, but also allows us to accomplish so many more things, resolving conflict with people that we come in, cross, uh, c- come in contact with. You know, it, if we have a heart that values other people first, we'll take care of so many things in our lives and produce a, kind of, a real kind of godly love that bears meaningful fruit in the kingdom. So as I've gone, as I look through Philippians chapter two, I've sort of identified four things that I think he calls out here um, that if we'll develop those attributes in our life, that it will allow us to legitimately look at other people and say, I value you more important than I value myself. Number one is an attitude of service and sacrifice. In verse number four of that chapter, he goes on to say, let each of you Look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. And so, as he, as he tells us to do this and have this attitude, he, he tells us how to do it. He said, you, you do this, number one, by looking at other, look, look not at your own interests. And it seems so straightforward as we talk about it, but we get so bogged down in our own lives and taking care of the things that we need on a daily basis. And it's hard. It's hard enough to take care of ourselves. It's a difficult thing to do. But he says, don't, he didn't say don't look to your own needs. You gotta take care of your own business. We talked about that all month as well. If a man can't rule his house, how can he rule the church? Part of being, part of being a leader is taking care of your own business. But a significant part of being a leader is thinking about the business of other people. And I don't, I'm not talking about their business literally. I'm talking about thinking about their needs, thinking about the things that they have in their life or that they're struggling with that they're having a difficult time with, that you can help with, that you can, that you can help them bear those burdens. And so we can't apply, we can't apply these things literally. We gotta think about a mindset. It tells me that service and sacrifice are very important things. And you know, Jeff talked about those things Wednesday night. We've talked about them all month. But it also tells me that you know, sacrifice is very much a part of it. And let's not kid ourselves into thinking that it's not. You know, there's very real sacrifice involved, certainly with taking a leadership position, but there's very real sacrifice involved with being a Christian. And there's many times that there's things in our own life that we have to put aside for a moment or for good in order to make these kind of decisions. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 17, he says, but if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed or in truth. He asks a really important question here. You know, specifically here talking about money, which is always such a sensitive and sore subject with people. But he's talking about having physical things in this world. He said, if you have the ability to help someone and you see someone in need, and you're not willing to do that, how can you claim to have the love of God in you? How can you do that? And I'm afraid many times we don't behave this way. You know, service, sacrifice, all these things we're talking about aren't, our, aren't the forefront of our minds when we're making decisions, trying to decide what, what to do as we 
think about these situations. And he, call, and he, you know, he, he calls out the fact here that love is not just something that's spoken. It's, it's an action. It's, love is shown through your deeds. Think about passages like 1 Corinthians that we read about the great love chapter. And if you go through that, you know, all the things that the world says love is, that says the opposite. You know, the world says love is these feelings you get in your stomach and the infatuation and the emotions that go with, with all, the thi- uh, all those situations. And the Bible says that love is actions. It's, it's, it's showing people these things in your life. It's commitment, doing all the things that you're supposed to be doing. And I think many times people hide behind, um, you know, phrases like don't be judgmental and, and you know, um, not caring about works and things like that. You know, works don't save us. They hide behind those so that they can, that they can you know, soothe their own conscience and soothe their own uh, hearts about not doing the things that God's asked them to do. And when in, when in reality, he said there's action that needs to be involved. That's service, it's sacrifice. It may bring your mind to the Pharisees that he talked about. You know, he said it out, outside there, they're these whited, whitened sepulchers, but inside they're just full of dead men's bones. And it's because they were, they were religious in their action. I mean, excuse me, in their, in their words. They were religious in the things they said, and, but their actions were far from it. He said, their heart is far from me. Romans chapter 12 and verse number nine. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. You might remember the first part of this chapter in Romans chapter 12 where he's talking about presenting yourself as a living sacrifice. And certainly that's something that he requires of us as we're talking about service and sacrifice here this morning. I think this chapter is very fitting for that. But if you think about what it means to be a living sacrifice, he's descriptive of that here. You know, let your love be genuine. Hate, hate the things that are evil. Outdo one another in showing honor. You know, that fits, to me, that statement fits really well with thinking about valuing others as more important than ourselves. Outdoing one another in showing honor. I don't know that I know 100% what that means. You know, I think about things, you know, silly examples, but you think about times when people uh, fight over a check maybe. If, you're, if you get together with people for lunch or dinner and a check comes, you see people fight. You ever had anybody like that? I've had family members that just, you're not paying for the meal. You know, or maybe somebody holding a door open for other people. You know, if you get two, two people that are inclined to hold a door open for somebody else and they say, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, I insist you go ahead. And, turn the, and it ends up being so silly when somebody should just walk through the door. But I think about things like that when he says, outdo one another in showing honor. You know, it's, it's, it's an attitude and a mindset that we should have for other people and how we feel about other people and how we treat other people. Number two is humility. And, you know, none of these things we're talking about this morning are exactly rocket science or any kind of big revelation. Um, they're all things we've talked about this month, but I think... You know, ultimately, if you really think about trying to value somebody else as more important than you, you know, th- th- there's times that's easy, right? You think about your family and your kids and your wife and, and those people that are 
really closest to you in this life. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not hard to think about how you can view them as more important than yourself. There's nothing that we wouldn't do for our kids or for our spouse. You know, it's when you start to get outside of that circle of influence when this thing becomes harder, you know. Maybe even we look at our church family and, and we can see that that wouldn't be that difficult of a thing to do, to value somebody more important than ourselves. We are able to give of our time and, and, our, and our efforts and, and our money to people that we, that we love and are close to in the church. But then you step outside the walls of the church and it starts to get even harder. You know, maybe you have friends outside of church that that's easy. But what about the coworker that you just don't love or, you know, a total stranger that you see in need? That's when it becomes really hard. And I think humility ultimately is the lesson being taught here in Philippians chapter 2. Um, you know, he specifically calls out here the humility of Jesus. In verse number eight, he says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. You know, he's, it's a very good, this, this chapter is a very good picture of the cross, but that he's not teaching them the story of the cross. They know that story. What he's teaching them here is humility in how we treat other people and how we view ourselves in order to allow us to treat other people that way. You know, it's, a, it's really a chapter on unity and, and, you know, interaction and all those types of things. And he said, Jesus really was the ultimate example of humility. And that's why he used him here. You know, he, all the things that Jesus had available to him and what he was and what he became. It's such a, it's such a powerful chapter to me in a lesson in, in the humility that we should have. And it really is, I think, becoming more and more of a foreign concept in our society. You know, we were, I was laying in bed the other night, kind of struggling to get to sleep. So I threw on MLB Network. I knew that there was a, they had their annual Hall of Fame announcement. And I was flipping over to see if anybody got elected to the Hall of Fame. And two guys got in and they were having some discussion because Derek Jeter received 396 out of 397 votes. And so you know, he was overwhelmingly voted into the Hall of Fame, but now we had to have this huge discussion on the one guy that wouldn't vote for him and uh, what that meant and did that make, make him any less of a Hall of Famer and all that kind of stuff. But they interviewed him about that and they, they were asking his thoughts on that specifically. And it, and it struck me because he said, you know, I'm just, I'm just very humbled to be, receive as many votes as I did and be elected in general. And I got to thinking how, how, weird, I guess, for lack of a better word, of a statement that is. And you hear athletes and you hear movie stars and you hear politicians and all the people that are in the spotlight in our society use that word and they, and they throw that word around and they really don't even use it in the right context. I mean, there's nothing really humbling about the Hall of Fame. The Hall of Fame is actually about exalting someone. It's about putting them on a pedestal. It's about saying how great they were. There's really nothing humbling about the whole process. And even if you think about a pro athlete or a high-powered businessman or politician or movie star, there's not really anything humbling about that in general. Sure, there's good people that do those things, and there's people that you know, ultimately use their fame and fortune to do good things in the world, what we would view as good things, but it's not really humbling. It's not humility involved in it. You know, an athlete's single purpose is to try to be the best they can be. They want to beat everybody else. That's not thinking about other people at all. They want to do the best they can. They want to be the best they can. And a movie star, they want fame and fortune. They want everybody to know who they are. It's just ironic to me how our world views humility. 
And I think many times true humility may be the single biggest thing that keeps people from becoming Christians or becoming the kind of Christians that God would have us to be. It's a very difficult thing to do. And at the end of the day, people just really have a hard time adopting the kind of self-image that God wants us to adopt. But it's important, certainly important for the discussion that we're having this month in leadership. Um, Certainly important for the discussion that we're having about being a good Christian. And I think you can make an argument that humility is maybe the single most important characteristic of of being a good leader. Look, Look at the story in Mark chapter 9. You might remember this story. As they were coming to Capernaum, it says, when he was in the house, he asked them, talking about Jesus, what were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the 12, and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, whosoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whosoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So again, this is one of those discussions where you just kind of shake your head wondering what they were doing. But it's probably something that, you know, this is the kind of thing that we think of with our, with our feeble minds. You know, who's the, who's the greatest in the kingdom? You know, yeah, I don't know. It didn't, we don't have a lot of information about why that discussion started or, you know, I think it was rooted in pride probably. I mean, why would you wonder that? But you just kind of wonder what the, what the look on their faces was when he answered them. You know, and he said, you know, if you, if you want to be the greatest, you know, you got to make yourself last. You got to serve everybody. And certainly this is not a, a, a passage that's a listing of the qualifications of what, it, you know, what you have to do to be an elder or a deacon, but I think we can all agree that, that this is a requirement. This is a requirement of being a Christian. And so all great leaders have humility in their lives. You can't do all the other things that God's asked to. All the other qualities that we've talked about this month that have been listed— you cannot have those qualities if you do not have humility in your life. It's not possible. And I think that's what he's teaching them here. So as we, particularly as we give thought and time to leadership studies and conversation, think about that in the context of, of what we're doing this month as well. Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22. You might remember back to our studies um, few months back when we talked about the fruits of the Spirit and spent a lot of time in Galatians chapter, uh, Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all these things that he talks about here. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live, if, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So as he's talking about all of these fruits of the Spirit, you know, he encourages them, don't become conceited, you know. And I think as we think back to our studies and, you know, really if you think, look through that whole chapter, Galatians chapter 5, you know, pre- previously he talks about the works of the flesh. And so as you compare and contrast the, the works of the flesh to the fruit of the Spirit, they're the exact opposites in terms of humility. All of the fruits of the Spirit are rooted in humility, you know, the the, the way that we view ourselves, we're not going to be gentle and patient. If, if, if you can't have humility and if you can't view others as more important than yourself, you're not going to do all these things. It's, it's going to be a self-serving mindset. And that's what all the works of the flesh, flesh were. He said, don't do that. Don't be conceited. 
as we think about how we interact with other people. The third thing that I think he calls out specifically in Philippians chapter two is love. And I, again, this seems sort of straightforward and, and obvious, but if we really wanna value other people's more important than ourselves, love has to be at the center of all of it. You think about as he starts out this chapter, he says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. He's talking about unity here. He's talking about sharing in that unity. And he kind of hammers home that love has to be at the center of that. You know, and then of course he goes on to talk about Jesus and the sacrifice that he made here and how important that is. And he puts this special emphasis on love here. You know, we talked about earlier that, you know, it's easy, it's easy to love those that are closest to us and, you know, are directly related to us and part of our lives every day. It's, it gets a little harder once you get outside of that typical kind of sphere of influence, sphere of influence. You think back to the verse we read in, in Matthew, though, when he said, love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Everything hangs on it. And I think he's teaching that here as well. Love's such an important part of that. Ephesians chapter five, in many ways, mirrors Philippians chapter two. There's a lot of similar language and kind of the concepts that are being taught there. But he says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. So again, you know, the, the root cause of all the things Jesus did for us was love. You know, and we talk about, in Philippians chapter two, how he, was, how he was humble about that, how he was obedient, you know, even obedient to the point of giving himself on the cross. And all those things are important, but the reason that he did all those things was because of love, the love that he had for us. And of course, we can read many, many verses, John three sixteen, things like that, talking about that love. But without that, he, he wouldn't do the things that he had done for us. And without that love, we're not gonna have the desire to do the things he's asked us to do for others. I think about Paul in this, uh, this passage in Romans chapter nine where he's talking about how he views Israel and how he views his brethren. And it, again, this has always been it's one that's kind of hard for me to, to wrap my head around what he's thinking here. And I know people you know, kind of debate would he literally give up his salvation if all the, all the Jews could be saved and all that kind of stuff? But to me, to me, the important thing to call out is his mindset. Listen to what he says. I'm speaking the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bears witness, bears me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen according to the flesh. It's been, always been so fascinating to me how he words that there. And I think if anything, it should call attention to how you view other people. You know, how do you, how do you feel about other people? How do you feel about other people that, um, that aren't saved? How do you feel about other people in light of the gospel? You know, do you, do you have anguish in your heart over them? You know, many times I'm ashamed to say I don't. Many times I don't think I give it that much thought. And we should have that kind of mindset about about this stuff that we're talking about, all of this. And it's a very challenging to me, again, it's just a very challenging concept to me that I don't think we give enough attention to. 
And it's, you know, his attitude there is, is you know, fascinating, but it, I think it teaches us important lesson in commitment to the kind of love that he had for all the, all the people that, that he was preaching to. Ephesians chapter four, I there, uh, verse number one, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. The things, that, the things that we do for other people are made possible out of love. And he said, it's a love that allows us to bear one another. You think about what it means to bear one another. You know, we, we, we read all those verses about bearing those that are weaker, you know, bearing others' burdens and things like that. It's not easy to do. You think about bearing burdens of your children. You know, some of, the, some of the burdens that come with being a parent are difficult when the kids are screaming and arguing and all that. When you bear those things, it's a very difficult thing to do. And you do it because you love your kids. You know, you don't do it because you enjoy the screaming and fussing and fighting and all that kind of stuff. You do it because how you feel about them. And if we're going to bear other people's burdens and the sacrifice and the service and all these things that we're talking about that come with that, the love has to be there or we're not going to do it. You know, we're not going to take time out of our schedules to go help somebody else or to help that elderly person move into a different living facility or whatever the scenario is. If the love's not there, you're not going to do that. Maybe you go through the motions a time or two and do it, but there's not going to be any commitment to helping with those things and the true service and sacrifice that he's talking about here. Finally, the fourth thing that I think he's specifically calling out here in this passage that really allows us to think about others first is the idea of being Christ-like. And we talked again about the example, following after the example that Christ set. But listen to how he says this back in our chapter in Philippians 2. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And this is really kind of the, the home run part of this passage to me when you just think about the magnitude of, of what he's talking about here. But the truth is, if we try to rationalize valuing other people more important than ourselves, if we use our, our human mindset to try to rationalize that, we're never getting there. We are never getting there. You can think about all those things, and ultimately, that's going to come back to yourself. And that's why I think it's so important that we think about being Christ-like in everything that we do, especially thinking about other people and how he, he was so descriptive of that here. And that's what he told him: Have this mind in, in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. That's, what, that's the whole reason he used Jesus as an example here was because he wanted them to follow after that. And I think the Christians should understand that, you know, it doesn't necessarily make sense from a, from a human thought process perspective of why Jesus would have done all this stuff for us. If you, if you try to wrap your head around why, all this, why he would do all this stuff, you never get there except for the love and the humility and all the things that we're talking about here, his desire to serve and, and take care of others. That's the only way you can get there. So for us to try to figure, figure it out for ourselves, it's just failure. But if we strive to be Christ, to be like Christ, we'll humble ourselves, like he said here. And I like how he used the word, he emptied himself. You know, there, there was nothing left. You know, we, 
very rarely do we empty ourselves in these kind of conversations with service and sacrifice. There's times where we do those things, but are we really emptying ourselves? You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a very descriptive word that was used here, obviously because it's applicable. But if we think about, you know, the call for us to be like Jesus who emptied himself, I think we can all be honest that we can do more and be more. I spoke a few months back on this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 where he says, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And again, I think that's an interesting passage because he, what he was saying was, you know, I'm, ultimately I'm a man. I'm gonna make mistakes and I'm gonna do things wrong. Don't do those things, you know, but the areas where you see in my life that, that mirror what Jesus would do, that's the areas where you should imitate me. And I think about how broad our area of influence would be um, in the world we operate in if we, were, if we were all of this mindset, how much impact we would have in our lives if, if we really committed to imitating Jesus, number one, being Christ-like like we're talking about, but also really imitating our brothers and sisters in the areas where we know that they are imitating Jesus as well. And how that's kind of a kind of an exponential situation. It's not it's not linear in the impact it would have. One plus one equals three in that scenario. When we really seek to strive, seek and strive to be Christ-like in that, and I think that allows us to view other people properly, which is what we're talking about here this morning. I think it allows us to really have the humility that we're talking about. I think it allows us to have the kind of love like Paul had for those people where, where he was willing to give up his own salvation if, if, they could, if they could be saved. Being Christ-like is so important in that. In Romans chapter 15, he says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and to not please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ welcome you for the glory of God. Th- look, think about how many times just in this passage he references to, to doing it like Christ did or because Christ did. He wants us to be Christ-like in everything that we do. He said, bear the burdens of the weak. See, let each of you seek to please his neighbor, not to please yourself. All these things he would ask of us, he asked us to look outside of ourselves. And I think if we're being Christ-like, we're certainly viewing others as more important than ourselves. The humility that he showed that he would become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I hope that's been beneficial study for you this morning. Uh, I hope that you can see that these things matter uh, in each of our lives, but also as we talk about and think about leadership this month, you know, think about these qualities as you think about, um, you know, the men that we're going to talk about. Um, And for the men that are interested in that, think about these qualities in your life, and if you have these qualities in your life, are you, do you have a heart of service and, and um, humility and love? And, and what's the motivation for doing all of these things? As we close today, I want to challenge each one of us to think about this verse more on a daily basis. You know, it's something that 
um, as I said, to me is a very challenging thing. You know, thinking about looking at every person that I come in contact with on a daily basis and legitimately viewing them and saying, I value you more important than I value myself. It's hard to do. But if we'll root ourselves in all these things we talked about, I think it allows us to have that mindset. And I think if we'll just, if, even if we just make strides toward that goal, we'll be better, better off in the future than we have been in the past. If you're here this morning and you have any need that the church can help you with, we're going to offer an invitation at this time. Um, the invitation is Jesus Christ. And we have that opportunity and ability because of what we read today, how he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death, even the death on the cross. Thank God for that. If you have any need that the church can help you with, we're going to sing a song. We invite you to come have a seat on the front um, as we stand and sing.